Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome to the Sting Truth Podcast, the leftovers edition between my game uh, that I call between the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers. I am Mark Schler. That's Mike Evans. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Boy, it turned out that uh, your yeah. broadcast was uh, yep. kind of historic. Huh? Uh, we uh, we cursed the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Mark Schlereth, coach killer. Coach killer. That's exactly right. I, I, uh, I take full responsibility for uh, ending uh, the tenure of one Frank Reich. Which, let's give you a little bit of historical uh, backdrop. Fired 11 games into the season. Mm-hmm. you got to go back to 1978 to find the last time a coach was fired this quickly right. in his first season. 78? 1978. It, it happened, I guess, with the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know exactly the, the name. It was some forgettable name. But, uh, yeah, that was the last time. And that now makes back-to-back seasons – in which the Panthers and owner Dave Tepper has fired a coach midway yeah. through the season. Matt yeah. Rule last year, Frank Reich this year. Yeah. Um, boy, I tell you what, um, unbelievable, you know, what's going on there. And I think there are so many, like, there are so many questions about Bryce Young. Is Bryce Young the guy? Can he be the guy? And I talked to multiple coaches on that staff. And I don't know that anybody truly knows. But everybody to a man said, I think we have the right guy. Like, he's made of the right stuff. Um, Now, there are physical limitations. He Like, he's 5'9 and change or whatever he is and about 195 pounds. I mean, he's not a big dude. But, you know, he doesn't shy away. The one thing about Bryce Young, he doesn't shy away from that. I talked to him about just his height and being able to see things. He goes, yeah, there are things I don't see. I go, but there's things that 6'5 quarterbacks lose vision on. And I talked to Josh um, Josh McCown about that. Like, man, I'm 6'4", six 6'5", foot six foot and there were times I couldn't see things. Like, it's just the nature of the business. And the thing that that um, Bryce Young told me is, listen, man, <clears throat> I haven't been able to see over the line of scrimmages since I was in the eighth grade. Like, that, it's just <laughs> the way it is. And I'm used to that. 
And it's understanding drops, understanding where defenses drop, like what what coverage you're in, how guys drop, what leverage they're playing, and all those things, and where windows are going to open. And then finding those windows between the offensive lines so you can throw those things. Like, I don't know that it's really that much different for anybody else. Now, there's some things instantly they're going to take, you know, your vision gets kind of taken away a little bit, but that didn't seem to be an issue. The issue I had, and probably the reason that Frank got fired, is like that offense was putrid. They're awful. But I would tell you, is that coaching or is that personnel? And one of the issues is, and again, you and I have talked about this, the college quarterbacks that you are getting right now, for the most part, grew up throwing seven-on-seven, grew up playing shotgun in high school, grew up playing shotgun in college. The Indianapolis Colts were or are about, not the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Wright's last team, the, the Carolina Panthers, excuse me, are in gun about 90 to 92% of the time. Some of it pistol, some of it shotgun. And I'm just going to tell you that it eliminates from a mesh point standpoint, especially when you're in near or far gun, meaning near gun would be tight end, strong, like let's call it tight end, strong right, near the running back on your right side, far the running back on your left side. Well, what can you run? Like if you're in near gun, you're running belly weak. It's the way it goes. If you're in far, you're running handoff strong. That's those are the two plays you're really running. You can have some adjunct plays in there, but that's what you're running. The other thing is there's no on play action out of gun, there's no suck up factor. So when you flag that ball, linebackers and safeties can see it. They see the shotgun snap. They don't automatically get drawn up. So therefore, the intermediate passing game that you're trying to open up, the game between the safeties and the corners and the linebackers does not open. So all and then ultimately, you got a bunch of receivers that aren't beating man-to-man coverage. Like so, how do you evaluate oh and and lastly, you got an offensive line that can't block anybody. So how do you like how do you evaluate a quarterback when those are the situation and and if you're the owner, is it that the coach's fault or is that your fault or is that is that the GM's fault? For not producing or not giving you good enough player, like there's a there's there's more than just a coaching issue or a play calling issue, right? But you know you you always like to say you're either you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen, right? And I get what you're saying. Frank Reich needs to coach though to what he's got, and if if you see it's obvious that this is not helping Bryce Young transition to the NFL, this kind of offense, that isn't that up ultimately on Frank Reich to yeah. say, hey, listen, this is what you, yeah. you have to learn. Yeah, Frank, You have to do. Yeah, Frank, I mean, Frank told me, hey, listen, Bryce Young played probably almost 100% of his snaps in gun at Alabama. Right. Probably the only time that, that he is not in gun is when they're kneeling down in victory formation. Right. Those are probably the only snaps he took in college where he wasn't in gun. And I know that's where you're most comfortable, and I get that. Guess what? We're going to have to make you uncomfortable. 
Because at this particular point in time, what you're doing may be more comfortable for him, but you know what it's not more comfortable for? Five guys up front. The receiving core you have. It doesn't help them. So would you rather have help the one guy that plays quarterback or the other 10 guys that play other positions? And I think there comes a time, I understand that the best coaches develop a system, right, that benefits their players. But there has to be a give and take in that. Mm -hmm. And I think from a coaching standpoint, I think one thing that I've always believed in and I think is very important, just this concept of empathy. You have to be empathetic to everybody's problems. Mm -hmm. And by playing the game that you're playing, you're creating problems for other guys on your roster. And, hey, let's face it. You can say whatever you want about Steve Wilkes, who's the interim coach last year. But they created this hammerhead offense Mm -hmm. where they're running Dante Foreman downhill and just absolutely thunder punching people in the teeth and winning games. And they won a bunch of games doing it that way. And it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And like you have to, I think you have to err on the side of what's best offensively for the most, the, the largest number of people we have and, and helping to solve other people's issues. And I think they did a, I think there's almost Hey, our quarterback has never been under center, so we're going to play entirely out of shotgun. I think there's probably a give and take that needed to happen there that didn't happen. In your conversation with Frank Reich leading up to the game, yeah, did you get any sense? Did you get any sense that he had a sense? Oh, that, that this could happen. Um, listen, man, I have a lot of respect. And every and I think anybody who's been involved in this game has a lot of respect for Frank Reich. Um, and I have a lot of respect for him. And I think he's I think he's a good coach. I really do. Um, again, I think you got saddled with trying to take quarterback and and fit him into a system that's not necessarily, you know, based on the personnel you have, not necessarily the best thing for your personnel. Um, I didn't get a sense that he thought he was getting fired. I, I, I do get a sense that they understood kind of we're one and nine right now. And it's not, you know, there's, you know, there's another rookie quarterback just down the street. Who's having a lot of success in Houston. And, you know, I think there is that there's definitely that comparison aspect to it, but um, yeah, it, it is it is one of those situations, man, where I don't think he thought that was going to happen. So, if if I'm a Panther fan right now watching this, yeah, two questions I have: one, can Bryce Young not can I guess he can be? Do you think Bryce Young will end up being a franchise quarterback? If I was if I was like a gambler on it right now, sure. no. I don't. Okay. Now I've been wrong plenty. And um I certainly don't think the style with the, with which they play right now is conducive to any quarterback being 
having long-term success. I just don't, especially when you're as small as he is. So I think, I think, you know, I think you have to be able to control the middle of the football field. You have to do things from that standpoint. And, um, and I don't think they have a team that can do that right now. So I think there are going to have to be concessions and he's going to have to play in a more NFL friendly. Now, everybody has moved to three wide stuff. You know, everybody has moved to 11 personnel and, and, you know, and, and more shotgun stuff. And, and, you know, I, I get that. I get that aspect of it. But there has to be, like, the best teams. You talk San Francisco. You talk, um, you know, you talk Detroit. You talk, I guarantee you, they're probably under center about 40-some-odd percent of the time, maybe 45% of the time. So there's got to be a little bit more balance in what you're doing to keep a defense guessing, so to speak. Okay, then my second question, speaking for Panther fans, would be this. With, I mentioned Matt Rule being fired last year, midseason. Uh-huh. Now Frank Reich being f- fired, midseason. Uh, Dave Tepper firing these coaches. H- how attractive is this job going to be for coaching candidates? It's one of 32, so that part is attractive. That helps. That helps. Um, If it comes down between you and somebody else, you'll take somebody else. If it comes down to, like, meaning you and another team, you'll take the other team. If it comes down to this is the only option you have, you're taking it, and you're going to find a way to, quote-unquote, fix it. Yep. Because it's one of only 32 jobs like this on the planet. Yeah, right. one of only 32 jobs on the planet. Yep. And, um, you know, and that's that's just kind of the reality of of where we sit right now. Let's uh, let's move on over to uh, the Titans. Yeah. And um, this is, I think, the second time you've done one of their games this year. Yeah, yeah. How would you compare what you saw yesterday versus what you saw the, the first time, maybe in terms of improvement? Well, I think there's I, – I definitely think there's a formula. Like, this is a team that has always been able to control line of scrimmage, run the ball, do all those things. They can do that on defense. They've got some defense. T.R. Tart's an unbelievable – Jeffrey Simmons is a freak show. He is such a good player. You've got Danico Autry, who's awesome, just an awesome player. So there's a lot of really, really good players. Um Harold Landry is a, a really good player. So they have got a lot of really good players. Um, and and so, yeah, that they've always been able to control that front seven. Their offensive line has been an absolute, like, revolving department store door. And some of the guys that they have gotten um, just haven't, haven't panned out the tackle position. They went out and got um, Andre Dillard in free agency, and he just has not – he's been a disappointment. That's just – that's where it's been right now and so they've got some young guys they're shifting around and um you know and they have not been a dominant group up front but I will say this man they really leaned into Derrick Henry which they have to do I believe that's got to be part of who they are and I am really growing to be a fan of Will Levis the guy who sat around and basically got passed over for whatever reason I'm not 100% sure why, 
You know, I, maybe it's because he puts mayonnaise in his coffee or eats bananas with the peel on. <laughs> maybe teams just looked at that and said, "Dude, we can't. We like we don't. We don't need that." So you sat down with him. What's he? What's he like? Um, he was he was very direct and matter of fact, and like he was he was great. He was great. But what I'm well, like what I'm impressed with was watching him on tape. Foot energy. Like, his feet are really always underneath him. He's always balanced up. And when he throws, he throws from a platform of balance. And I think that's always like the, like, you and I always, we talk to Joel Klatt every week, and we talk about quarterbacking, and um, something that always resonates with me is the timing of the offense is kept in the quarterback's feet. Joel always says that. And I've adopted that philosophy. When your feet are good, when your feet are good, you're on time. When you're on time, you're accurate. And he's exceptionally accurate. And he's got he's got big time arm talent. Not can throw it like we think a big time arm talent is, oh my gosh, you just like can let it eat. He can. But man, just so quick and so many different arm angles. He he reminded me of a shortstop. Hmm. Like all the different arm angles that he throws with. And the ball is out, it's quick, and it's on people right now and it's on people accurately and I thought for the most part um he played really well played really well and so I'm a like I look at him and say man that that's a kid that you look at and you go wow he's we've got a an opportunity for this kid to continue to work and develop and really lead our franchise so you know I mean I know it was a hard conversation talked to Vrabel about it like the conversation between him and Tannehill and he goes hey yeah. man Hard conversation, you know, yep. and I know Tannehill was banged up and everything else, but because won a lot of games together and, and went to an AFC championship together and, and you know, all those things. It became our guy. And um, but ultimately, as a coach, you got to do what you think is best at the time for the football team. And I think those are hard conversations to have, but they're honest conversations. And Tannehill's been great, you know, really helping mentor. And um, you know, it's a for them, it's a big win. But Let's face it, the, the bulk of the this team will probably not be fixed until they solidify their offensive line and can count on their offensive line to do the things they need to do because defensively their front seven, Mike, is Jeffrey Simmons is a full-grown-ass man who dominates the line of scrimmage. And all, and all their guys are really good up front. So this being the leftovers, anything that uh, you found interesting, compelling, in your, your preparation for the game that you just didn't get a chance to get to or get to as much as you would have liked that you want to yeah. share right here? Yeah, and you know, one of the things, and I talked about a little bit, but, you know, you, you think about guys that have the potential to move on and, and, and be like free agents or, or things. Aziz Elshire, Aziz Elshire plays, plays middle linebacker for the Tennessee Titans. I talked about this a little bit. This guy is... I mean, growing up, he's been homeless. He's gone, you know, commuted two hours to get to school. Uh, when he was at school, he brought his younger brothers in to, to live with him so he could watch over them, or kind of raise them, mm-hmm. make sure they got to school, make sure they got their work done, kept them out of trouble. Um, he, you know, get, gets tears up his knees, so he's a college free agent to San Francisco, plays there, signs a one-year deal with Tennessee, flying around the football field making every play. I think he's a he's a great player. 
But I always said this, you know, there's a lot of talented guys in the league, a lot of talented guys that, you know, you just look at it, it's kind of, a man, super talented, but kind of a knucklehead. Right. You know, talent does not drive your character. Right. Right? Just because you're talented doesn't mean you have great character. But great character drives talent to do things that are just remarkable. And here's a guy that's got unbelievable character. And, man, he is a good player. And I just was watching him, watching his film, like knowing about his story a little bit, just going, man, if I was a GM, he'd be on the top of my free agent list. Yeah, really? Flies around, makes plays, is a great player, and is has got that kind of, like that kind as a young adult, as a college kid, has enough about him to say, man, I'm going to take care of my brothers. Like that, that to me is, man, that's big time. Like, that's the kind of guy I want to lead my football team. Yeah. You know, and, and signs a one-year deal with Tennessee, man. Good for them. I hope they lock him up long-term. I hope he plays there for a long time. So, anyhow, with good that story. Said, good story. Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. I tell you what, I, you know, Frank Reich, again, I'm a, I'm a fan. He's a good man, and I think he's a damn good football coach. And, um, you know, I just think that's a – Carolina's an unfortunate situation that he's found himself in, and – you know, we'll see if the next guy can fix what's going on there. And we'll see if, you know, Frank gets a third opportunity Yeah, uh, at this. Probably be tough. He's had two strikes, so might be tough to get that third third crack at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, we can go back to being an offensive coordinator, and he's always been good at that. Yep. So a little football rehab. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's, uh, that's it for the leftovers between Carolina and uh, the Tennessee Titans. We thank you so much for being a part of the Secret Truth Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like it, do all the things that you do. Um, you guys are more internet savvy than me. For Mike, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you guys later on in the week. <laughs>